God is doing some amazing things here at Central. Um, it's a it's a privilege to be a part of what He's doing among us, and that's that's just a small taste of of the many things God is doing, things that we can see and things that we can't always see. It's a real privilege. Uh, you know, my my day yesterday was a pretty normal day. Uh, you know, we we had my daughter's uh, volleyball game in the morning, and we went to that, and she won. Uh, and then we, uh, you know, we, we had Central Men had uh, football and meat on a Saturday morning. Many of you attended. I can tell by some of you are limping. Uh, so we had, we had that. There was football that was played, and there was meat that was eaten. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, and then, you know, there was football to watch on TV. That was pretty much our, our day yesterday. Pre- pretty normal day, except for the way our day started. You see, I woke up in the morning, and I was just kind of taking my time to get out of bed when my five-year-old daughter uh, storms into my room, and she says, there's a hot air balloon in our front yard. Now, in my head, I think, okay, well, there's hot air balloons all the time. We live over there, uh, sort of near Old Settlers, and it seems like there's hot air balloons every weekend. And so, you know, I just thought she meant like there's one in the sky. She said, you can see it out the window. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. And she just keeps telling me over and over and over, uh, you got to come see this. And so I go downstairs um, and, and look outside, and we have a picture of it, I think. There literally was a hot air balloon, not in our front yard, but right across the street from our house. Um, and so, you know, my, my daughter made the announcement that there was a, there was a hot air balloon in the front yard and, and it took me a while to respond. My, my son, he's 12, he was asleep and it took us a second to wake him up. But once he was awake and we said, there's a hot air balloon in the front yard, he just got up and walked downstairs like it's the most normal thing ever to go look at. Uh, and he, he went and, and checked it out. There was the same message but there were different responses to those mess- to that message. Like it's possible for the same people to hear the same message, but not every one of those people respond the same way. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at a parable of Jesus where he kind of explains that reality where everyone can hear the same message, but respond in different ways. Matthew chapter 13. I'm, I'm going to read the text to you, and then we're going to kind of talk through it after that. So look with me, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. The Bible says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. 
For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself and endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another sixty and in another thirty. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would speak your truth to us. I pray you would cause us to hear your voice. And understand it. And that your word would transform us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a sower went out to sow. And he sows seed into four different types of soils. The first thing I want you to notice about this parable is. Is that it's not primarily about the sower. Probably in your Bible translation there's a. There's a uh, title that says the parable of the sower, probably. That's classically how it's known, but it's not about the sower, but about the soil. It should be the parable of the soils. And the seed in this parable, we're told in verse 18, it's the word of the kingdom. In verse 11, we're told that it's the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You know, the kingdom was what every Jew was waiting for. They knew, they were sure, that God was going to send a Davidic king to come sit on the throne. And they were going to rule over the nations. And they were waiting for that day to arrive. They knew it would come. And then Jesus shows up and he preaches. He, he preaches a message and he says that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and that the kingdom is coming and it's now here. And he describes what citizens of the kingdom are like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is what citizens of the kingdom are like. This is the seed that is being sown. So it doesn't really matter who the sower is. In, in the immediate context, Jesus is probably the sower. But really, anyone who preaches the message of the kingdom is the, is the sower here. So we want to understand this parable. We want to apply it to our lives. And if we're going to do that, we need to understand its intent. 
What is the purpose that this parable was told? Why does Jesus tell parables at all? Why wouldn't he just come out and say what he means instead of going into a story? You know, the disciples asked this very question in verse 10. Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus gives them a very difficult answer in verses 11 through 17. He gives a very difficult answer. He says uh, he divides people into two categories. There are those who will understand and there are those who will not. And so to explain this, what Jesus does is he goes all the way back to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is a passage of scripture where the prophet Isaiah, uh, he receives his commission to preach. And when he receives this commission to preach, God says, who will go for us? Who will proclaim my message? Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And so God says, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. God tells Isaiah, you're going to preach a message and they're not going to hear you. They're not going to turn from their sin. They're going to continue to walk in wickedness. And so Isaiah says, then how long am I going to have to preach this unfruitful message? And God says, until cities lie in waste without inhabitants and houses without people. And the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tent remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, but the holy seed is its stump. He says, you're going to preach this message until the Babylonians show up in Jerusalem and wipe out the, the people. And they destroy the temple, they destroy the city, they kill a bunch of people, they exile people back to Babylon. You're going to preach that message, they're never going to hear you. But there is a message of hope, there will be a stump left over and the holy seed will be its stump. The people will not listen to preaching. So Jesus takes that context and he tells a parable kind of based on it. And Jesus is constantly uh, drawing lines between people. He's constantly creating two categories of people. Just in Matthew chapter 12, right before this parable, Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. He also says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or the, or the tree bad and the fruit bad. One or the other. Jesus is in, in a room and he's teaching and all these people are gathered around him. And somebody comes to him and says, Where, where's my, uh, they, they say, your father, your, your mother, your uh, brother and your sisters are outside, Jesus. Your family's outside. And he says, well, they're not my family. My family is anyone does the will of my Father. There's two categories of people, the, those who do the will of my Father and, and those who don't. Jesus is constantly drawing lines and showing us there are insiders to the kingdom of God and there are outsiders to the kingdom of God. And so the purpose of this parable, then, 
is to answer a question. And the question is, why? Like if the Jewish people were expecting a Davidic king to come and sit on the throne and rule the earth, and Jesus comes and preaches a message that says, it's come, why do they respond differently? Why are there some who agree and follow and some who just don't hear it? Why doesn't everyone believe the message? Jesus shows us in this parable that the problem is not with the message. The problem is with the people. There are two types of people in the world, insiders to the kingdom of God and outsiders to the kingdom of God. And so in describing this, Jesus breaks up the group of outsiders into three subgroups. One of the things we should notice is that in every case, the message is heard. Everybody hears. The seed is sown in every single case. What matters is what happens next. After you've heard. So what happens to each type of seed? There are four. First, you have the snatched seed. This seed is sown along the path. This soil is beaten down because people are walking on it. It's unfit for planting. And so the birds come and they they devour this seed. And Jesus explains this represents somebody who hears the word, but they don't really understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. You know, there are people who hear the word of God, they hear the gospel, and it goes in one ear, and it comes out the other. Like they hear it, but they don't really hear it. Here in this passage, in verse 18, Jesus distinguishes between hearing and understanding. They, they heard, but they didn't understand. They listen, but the word never brings about change in their lives. Do you know someone like that? They maybe have heard the gospel many, many times, but it's never transformed them. They've never adjusted their life based on what they've heard about Jesus. Well, what we can understand from this passage, Jesus wants us to know that it's not just ignorance. It's not just that. It's that there is a being, Jesus calls him here in Matthew 13, he calls him the evil one. There is a being who would love nothing more than for you to ignore what you've been told. For you to come to church and sit in here and hear a sermon and, and you're not listening. You're scrolling your phone. You are thinking about lunch. You're thinking about setting up your next week or that nap you're going to grab later on. The cowboys come on at noon. Hurry up. Right? There, there's a being out there who, who wants that for you. For you to tune it out. To tune out spiritual and biblical conversation. And though the seed is planted, it is dead on arrival. Second, the scorched seed. The seed is planted on rocky ground. There's soil but there's not much so when the plant grows it grows quickly 
But its roots are so shallow that when the sun comes up, it scorches the roots and the plant withers and dies. Jesus says this is like the person who receives the message. They hear the word. They receive it with joy. There's great enthusiasm. And they come to church. And they're glad to be here. And they agree with the message. They agree wholeheartedly. They could probably repeat it back to you. They love to worship through singing. They love when the songs come on. They might even cry every now and again when the, the good song comes on, you know? But Jesus explains that that kind of person with shallow roots is not, still not in the kingdom. Their, their roots are, are shallow. And they wither and they die. Listen to me. This one is really, really dangerous. This is the one that I think may get us here. It's really dangerous because what Jesus is explaining is that it's possible to look like you're a part of the kingdom, but to be an outsider. It's possible to look like everybody else in the kingdom, but be an outsider. So then how do you know if you're in or out? If I look the part, how, how do I know if I'm in or out? Jesus tells us. He, he says that the scorching sun is like persecution or tribulation. When this kind of difficulty comes on account of the word, that person falls away. I want you to notice that the difficulty, the persecution is on account of the word. Not on account of a political stance or personal opinions. Or just being a jerk, that's not persecution on account of the word. But when difficulty arises in someone's life on account of the word, that person falls away. Their reason for enthusiasm goes away and, and it's, it's external. So when that external stimulus goes away, they have no other reason to continue to follow Jesus. See, sometimes people are enthusiastic about following Jesus because of what it brings for them, what it provides for them, like friends or acceptance or comfort or good feelings. But what happens when following Jesus doesn't provide those things anymore? What happens when those things go away? Do you believe Jesus' message enough to stick with Jesus no matter what happens? And that's really dangerous for us in this room. Really, really dangerous. And, and the reason why is because in our suburban Bible Belt culture, and we still have that, despite what you read right here in Round Rock, we still have suburban Bible Belt culture. There is very little, if any, scorching sun to challenge our roots. Very little. No one's losing their job for coming to church this morning. No one's life is in danger. Nobody's reputation is, is in danger of being ruined because they came to church this morning. But I read about believers in Afghanistan who were recently told by the Taliban, if uh, we know who you are and we're going to kill you. And they still went to church on Sunday. That's more in line about what Jesus is explaining here. 
I'll refrain from taking cheap shots about our view of persecution. And I'll just say we don't face the same scorching sun they do. Our persecution may be a little bit different. So here we are with very little scorching sun. And many of us will go about our days looking like we are a part of the kingdom. And then one day we'll stand before the king, we'll stand before the judge, and Jesus, he'll look at us and he'll say, Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. It's a danger. It's a danger for us. Third, the choked seed. There's another seed that's planted among thorns. The idea here is that there's this part of the field that is unkept and unwanted plants have grown up. And so seeds are planted there and it takes root and it grows, but there's other things competing for its nutrients. And so the seed never bears any fruit. Jesus explains that, that this is like the person who hears the word and they receive it, but other things kind of take priority over it. Jesus gives two examples of things that might be thorns. One, he says the cares of the world. Literally, the worries of the world. The worries of the world. If you go back to Matthew chapter 6, you can see what he means by that. He says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about your life. The, the worries of the world, the cares of everyday living can be a thorn that takes priority in our life. He also says the deceitfulness of riches. The thorny ground is not necessarily riches, but the deceitfulness of riches. Riches are deceiving. That's why Jesus tells uh, the rich young ruler, he says, It's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. With God, all things are possible, but riches are deceiving. Wealth deceives. It promises a security that it can't provide. Have you ever noticed that we never think we're the rich people that the Bible is talking about? Have you ever noticed that? As someone pointed out, The reality is that every single person sitting in this room right now is extravagantly more wealthy than the people Jesus is talking to. Money deceives us into thinking that we're safe and secure. Or or at least that if we had more of it, we'd be safer and more secure. And as... The great songwriter Ben Rector says there's no enough and there's no too much. Jesus says that if if we're more concerned with the cares of this world, which in that includes putting your trust in wealth, if you're more concerned with living life, the daily life on planet Earth than you are with the kingdom of God, then that makes you an outsider. That's really harsh, isn't it? That's really harsh. And so how do you know if your priorities are out of whack? How do you you know? I mean, 
You talk about not worrying about the cares of the day, but I still have bills to pay. I still got to get my kids to, to practices and school and errands to run, and, and I've got friends to pay attention to. So how do I know if I'm among thorns? And I saw one preacher ask this question. He said, well, do you pray? Do you pray? Because when we pray, it demonstrates that we depend on God. Can I, can I let you into my brain a little bit? I don't know. You might, you might kind of be with me. There might be some solidarity here. But often I find myself going on autopilot. You know what I mean? Like I, I wake up in the morning and I got to take my kids to school. And I drop them off. And then I go to the office and I work, and I work all day, and then I go get my kid, and I take them to a practice or to something, and then we eat dinner, and then you just kind of take some me time, and then you go to bed. Did I pray? Did I depend on God for any of that? If I never pause to pray, do I even need God? Here's another question we can ask to assess ourselves. Would my life be any different if I just walked away from Christianity right now? If I just said, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore, would my life change? My job would change. (laughs) Uh, But besides that, I mean, I'd have a job. What what would change? Would Would there be anything different? Those who are more concerned with the cares of the world are those who do not depend on God. They are not about their father's business. They're about their own business. They don't understand that their day-to-day really can't mesh with the kingdom of God. That that the kingdom of God can really inform their day-to-day. This following... Does being a follower of Jesus change your life at all? And if you don't know, look at the people you know, like your peers, or your friends that aren't believers in Jesus. Does your, do your life choices look the same as theirs? Do your priorities look the same as theirs? Do your conversations look the same as theirs? If so, you may find that your heart is thorny soil. So you've got three types of soil, and all of these Jesus classifies as those who are outside the kingdom. And so I, I want us to recognize that it is very possible, Jesus says it is very possible for uh, every single person in this room, you may be inside this room and outside the kingdom of God. Please, God, don't let that be so. But Jesus says it's possible. The ways to destruction are many. Well, there's a fourth kind of soil that the seed is planted in. And what you find is a fruitful seed. It's not the good seed. I've seen sermons titled the good seed. It's it's not that the seed is good or bad. It's that the soil is good or bad. It's that the heart of a person is either good or bad. 
And this seed is planted in good soil and it grows up varying quantities of fruit. This is like the person who who hears the word and they understand it and in their life they bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Varying quantities, small amount, medium amount, large amount. The issue isn't the amount, the issue is that there's fruit. Every person is different. Every person is in different circumstances. The point is that there is fruit in your life. And even the smallest yielding soil is called good. You see, the promise of the Bible is that God's word will produce fruit. It will. When God's word is planted, it will produce fruit. And, and Jesus kind of speaking in this way, he's back, his mind is back in the book of Isaiah again. He was already in Isaiah chapter 6, and now he's moved into Isaiah 55. Isaiah 6 is kind of about the exile that's coming for, for uh, the Jewish people. Um, but in Isaiah 55, God, God is explaining, he's, he's telling them that, yeah, I'm going to send you into exile, but I'm also going to bring you back. And when I bring you back, it's going to be more glorious than the exodus from Egypt. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. So he's explaining this, and listen to what he says in Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, take my word to the bank. When God speaks, his plans and his purposes prevail. You can bet your life on it. You can bet your life on it. Those who hear the word and understand it will produce fruit. And so this this parable begs us to ask the question. Which kind of soil am I? Are you the soil that's unreceptive to the gospel message? Like you've heard it plenty of times, but it's never changed your life. Are you the shallow soil? The, the minute following Jesus gets difficult, you're out. Are you the preoccupied soil? The things of this world have your attention so much that you don't have time. You aren't about the Father's business? Or are you good soil? And how do you know? I think that's, that's the question we wrestle with. How, how, how do you know what kind of soil you are? Jesus says in, in Matthew 12, right before this, these two chapters are really connected. He says right before this, he's kind of arguing with the religious leaders, and he says, well, you'll know them by their fruit if if the fruit is good, the tree's good. If the fruit's bad, there's something wrong with the tree. Now he just kind of shifts it a little bit and he says, if the if the fruit, if there's fruit, then you got good soil. If there's no fruit, something's wrong with the soil. Something's broken there. How do you know what kind of soil you got in your heart? How do you know? How do you know? Only the good soil produces fruit. Look to your, look at your life. Does your life reflect that you are a follower of Jesus? Are you about the kingdom business in your life? Does being a Christian make your life different in any way? 
Now, as we think about this, some of you may be given to a little bit despair, a little bit of despair. As you maybe think about yourself or you think about somebody you know, a family member, a neighbor that, that maybe they've heard the gospel a bunch and they've never responded and you may start to despair. You know someone whose heart is like the beaten path or the rocky ground or the, or, or the patch of thorns. It may be your own heart that's causing you to despair. You're wondering, what about me? Is there any hope for someone whose heart consists of bad soil? Is there any hope? And the answer is yes. Good soil can be found. Jesus says in another parable coming up here in a second, he, 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 he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a little mustard seed that you can't even really see. But once it's planted, it results in something enormous. It's like leaven that you put in, in, in a lump of dough, and before you know it, it's kind of infiltrated the whole lump. He explains that hidden things are meant to be revealed. Jesus wouldn't have proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom if lost things couldn't be found. It's always possible for an outsider to become an insider. Always. I want you to notice something out of Isaiah 55. You know, Jesus' mind went back to Isaiah 55 and he said, you can take God's word to the bank. It will produce fruit. Listen to what else Isaiah 55 has to say. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So do not despair. Do not despair. Listen, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come a cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Here's what Isaiah is saying here. No matter how lifeless you think your heart may be, No matter how rocky, no matter how thorny, here's what I know. God makes dead things come alive. So here's what I want to say. If you're hearing my voice right now and you're engaged with what I'm saying, If you're hearing my voice and you're engaged with what I'm saying and your heart wants to turn to the Lord, you want that. Maybe you've been running. Maybe you've never really responded. But you right now, you want to turn to the Lord. Here's what I want to say. Don't wait anymore. 
Don't let another Sunday go by, another sermon go by. Turn to the Lord. Turn to Him. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart like they did when they wandered in the wilderness after Egypt or, or like when Isaiah was talking and, and Isaiah preached to them and they, they just kind of let, let their hearts grow dull. Do not harden your heart. Why? Because He will have com- compassion on you. He promises to forgive your sin. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Everyone who thirsts can come and drink. Everybody. The prophet Hosea says, break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord, that He may rain righteousness on you. So if you hear my voice, and you want to turn to the Lord, if you want things to be different, you've been walking the same path a long time, and right now your heart is just jumping because you want things to be different, or you want to find forgiveness for sin, If you want to follow Jesus right now, then do it. Stop waiting. Jesus is calling. He is calling you. Turn from your sin. Follow Him today. Which soil are you going to be? He who has an ear, let him hear.